Only Soul Messiah joining me here on the show here tonight for Sports Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, Light 65, iHeartRadio. He's produced for many of the greats in the industry, going back to his days with Dallas Austin. If you do your research, he's a part of the Rocksteady crew out in New York, the legendary Rocksteady crew. We have the one and only Soul Messiah. Soul Messiah, what's going on, man? How's your night going? And everything is wonderful. I cannot complain, man. I cannot. I'm- How about you? I'm doing pretty well, man. You know, just the same old, same old, just keeping on with the shows here, promoting as many artists as I can, especially what you're doing. You've been doing great things for hip hop for the longest now. And congratulations on the longevity that you've had in this game. And now that you have the upcoming album, Gone Complex, releasing this Friday. Yeah, man. I'm really excited about that, man. Like I said, it's a long time coming. And I'm excited for the people to hear what I had in mind and what we created. Rock steady. Word. Yeah, <laughs> that's the real hip hop. And I've heard you say things in the past and on other interviews where you feel as though you've you created what you hate almost because you were down there and helping some of these Atlanta artists get on, and you created what you hate because you you love that authentic sound because you were always inspired by what people were doing in New York. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, we at one time it was just hip hop. It wasn't separated into southern, northern trap gangster it was just hip-hop and it was a balance in all of it and then you know a lot of the young brothers that i would help come in and do music they just kind of got stuck in that that loop you know what i mean i guess if you know you're trying to make money and i get it but sometimes it's to the detriment of the, the culture you know what i mean yeah and, and i think we're really going to have a resurgence here because we have people such as yourself that are continuing on and you teaming up with Cy rock i've heard the story already you're just putting her in the studio because she told you that she could rap and then you had her right there in the studio and eventually you were like nah she's got it and you ended up being a main collaborator with her on many of your mixtapes mm-hmm. in fact the only collaborator we yeah literally Pete Rock CL smoothed it. We primo and, and guru'd it. That was the whole thing. You know what I mean? Trying to make sure that there's that marriage of lyrics and music and understanding, you know, one another's styles and movement. So that's kind of what was created. G rap and polo. Exactly. Classic stuff right there. That's the classic hip hop. What do you see in her that you think she's better than many of the artists in the in the era today that we have because i know you've spoken about in the past and you've alluded to the analogy that she's better than most men out here and you can tell that just by listening to her lyrics and you you even said that when you look back at your old days and going to classes the girl was always smarter than the boy in your class i mean it's a fact you know we have a little bit of a problem on planet earth i'm not gonna say just in america and that is well a lot of times men believe that because we're physically stronger sometimes that we must be mentally stronger we know that's not true but one thing i noticed about cyrock is that she's not corrupted by the things that we might have been growing up corrupted by so we're not cannabis and uh whoever he battled or the cold crush and who they battled and jay-z and nas she didn't pick a side she just loved hip-hop you know what i'm saying she wasn't she wasn't stuck into a paradigm of this type of this style of rhyme of this coast she just loved the culture and so with that i told her just concentrate on good music and she was able to do that you know what i mean no you could tell that especially from her last album i had her on my show a while back when she released sharecropper's daughter and you know i appreciated everything that she did on that album and you were behind the production on that yeah, I did all the production except for one with uh, evidence, and uh, we recorded right here in this studio. Actually, whole album. Oh, wow. Actually, we actually she got thirteen albums, but that was the thirteenth, and this studio is the studio she records in. And and I only see the both of you just going up from here, you know, from what you've already guys established. It's strictly elevation, man. Working on a new album right now. Got a lot of dope surprises coming. 
And you have your own hat here for God Complex. Now tell me the meaning behind God Complex, because when we look back at hip hop, Public Enemy and Flavor Flav is, they've talked about it on their album as well when they said the white man has the God Complex. What's the relation towards what you are trying to get through on this album? So with mines, I'm dealing with God Complex. You know what God is whatever that may be may mean to individuals it's not i'm not here to say what 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 god is to another man or woman but i am saying that that concept of god which is all-powerful all-knowing positivity and love is inside of who we are it's everything that what we are just like we say god is in everything god's in everything and complex is two things or can be two things a complex is something that could be a mental state or it's something that's a physical embodied temple a complex like a building right so with me with god complex it is the building that the all-knowing resides in and in that building in that complex in that body of work is everything that there is on earth you know what i'm saying so positivity negativity uh all the balances in life up down soft hard you know what i mean and all knowledge that people seek is in us but we have to tap into it so that's why i called it god complex to just show you ever seen that that what, what is it is it da vinci what's the the image that they send out in space when they put that plaque up there and it has man arm leg leg arm head and oh, man. everything that is is in man that's what the god complex is mm. now that's interesting especially that you want to dive into that on that album you know it, that just goes to show you when it's not the mainstream what you hear out here, what you hear on the radio. When you dive into the further the underground, they have more of a message. Word, yeah, man, we deal with messages. My my thing is, I was raised in uh in a a a, a what we call a conscious uh, community. You know what I mean? And in that conscious community, we were all given righteous names. Thus, my name. My name isn't a lot of people say Soul Messiah. It's not a it's not a hip-hop name it's our given name my children's last name is messiah actually we might be born with one name but when we get knowledge of self and we come in the community and do what we're supposed to do we're given righteous names because a name is everything it's power in the name so when you say a person's name and that name is low vibration you're only going to give off low low vibration in your existence so i made sure that what i'm dealing with is all high vibration you know what i mean I could definitely tell that just through what you're telling me right now, especially through your music and everything that you've released right here up until this point, the elements of hip hop, because you started out as a B-boy and a break dancer and a DJ. So how do you feel about the elements today not being the showcase anymore in hip hop and then how you have the younger audiences such as DJ academics calling the hip hop pioneers dusty? I know that's been a major topic recently, but I, I think it's important for people such as yourself who have come from that real hip hop era and continue to put that on a pedestal. How you feel about that? And, you know, not, not, he's a child. When I say that, yeah. I don't mean age. I mean, he's a child. So you know how you have children and a lot of times they just say silly things and they say it for attention because they feel like nobody's paying attention to them or they're not where they want to be or they got low self-esteem. So he says things and, you know, I don't even know why we even give it energy. That's why I like the way LL uh, responded because he didn't even say his name, but he spoke on it because it's important that we do speak on it. But in reality, we shouldn't give it no energy and keep moving and do what we do. Because at the end of the day, what prevails is real hip-hop, the culture. You know, let's keep it real. It is only one aspect that they focus on. That is the rap. Even though we have b-boying, which is dance and any type of dance, we have graffiti, which is art in any type of art. We have the emceeing, which is which is what is what's popping, which is dope. 
and we have DJing. Those four facets are important to the holistic uh, uh, life of hip hop. You know, and, and the thing is, as long as we can keep those things elevated, which it is, if you go around the world, kids are still breaking. Everybody's rhyming, doing graffiti, DJing, which is like the production. And in reality, it is live, it's alive and well. And the top MCs on the earth, all the top rappers, are actually not the low vibration rappers. I mean, who are our top MCs? It's Kendrick, it's J. Cole, it's Jay Z, it's still Nas. You know what I mean? It's still those, those. MCs actually still saying a little, and they don't say they're not all positive. I ain't saying hip hop has got to be all positive because it's good to have a balance, but they actually are skilled and they say something. You know what I mean? They leave you with something. So that's why I don't think hip hop is in a bad way because that's just the mainstream. We're not going to get into what we call a quote unquote underground or the hip hop that's not being paid attention to. It is a wonderful pantheon, man, of different MCs. And, and, and the women are back all the way in. You know what I mean? And and just like with uh, males in rap, how we got negative and positive hip-hop, we got the same thing with women. You know what I mean? But it is now coming back to more of a balance. I can say that. You know what I mean? But it's always going to be whack and good hip-hop, though. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And we've had that since the beginning of time. When we go back and we really look in the artists from back in the day and then from now. But, you know, the, the main thing is about keeping the real hip hop and making sure that the, the dope artists are still alive, which Cyrock is definitely one of them out there. And then you look at the Griselda guys and Davey. So we, ha we have our artists out there. It's just as though that the mainstream is going to pay attention to what it's going to pay, pay attention to, especially with the record labels and the payolas and all that stuff. But in your mind, I want you to take me back to where you started to see things falling apart, especially when you say that you have referenced in the past where you created what you hate in a way. You're saying where I saw the change, you're saying? Yeah. I think it probably changed around late 90s, early, probably early 2000s when it's, is when it switched. Um, and certain artists started to make music that they were told they would get paid a little more to make. I'll give you an example. Like I said, I come from the other side of the game. Other side of the game meaning I do what people call underground boom bap, good hip hop. But I started, you know, producing a lot of the R and B that we hear. TLC, Boys the Men, Madonna. I did a lot Monica. Of, Monica. I did a lot of that stuff. And uh when I was taking hip hop into the offices to try to shop for deals a lot of the older cats that ran the hip hop departments were, I mean, for lack of, they were old white men. Yeah. Like, what do you know about hip hop? It's like, I don't know nothing about hip hop. But what I do know, they would say stuff like, uh, you know, the brothers like the bass, the 808, right? Gangster shit, right? That's like, I mean, we got that element in our communities, but that's not the only thing that's in our communities. You know what I mean? And that's what was pushed. And when, when the artists were, uh, being offered these deals they were being told that you know you should do this type of music you should do that that's what really sells you know and it's not what really sells it's what they sell you know what i mean so my goal was uh i, I saw the cats in atlanta and in the south starting to go in that direction and do what we call trap music but they never okay my, i have no problem with people building on okay this is what's going on this is where i come from this is how messed up it was in the hood but then they never give no solutions. Do you understand what I'm saying? You mm -hmm. do that, but then you give the solution or the way out to stop the circle of violence, the selling of drugs. But a lot of times the labels don't want to support that. 
So that's why I was happy to find out. A lot of people understand the internet was the gift and the curse. The gift is you're allowed now to take what you do and put it out and control everything from the beginning to the end. You know what I mean? But a lot of people that were stuck on the labels, they can only do what they're getting paid to do. And then they stuck in these crazy contracts and they end up not knowing not how to do anything else. Some of them raise up out of it. You know, I, I, like for instance, I helped Jeezy. I worked on Jeezy's first album. That's right. Snowman forever. But if you listen to the evolution of his music, he actually started to change and put messages into his music. So it is possible, but some of them never come out of it or they just stop. You know what I mean? But Jeezy did. He, he you know, he knew, he understands, you know, like a, a lot of people talk about, you know, a lot of the hip hoppers aren't real. I'll tell you this, <laughs> better for worse, Jeezy, his, it was real. You know what I mean? What he comes from is real. And he was able to come up out of it. You know what I mean? And I commend that. But... I didn't want to do music to push that energy. You know what I mean? I wanted to do music that meant something. Thus, I ended up producing for Dead Prez, Chameleon Air, uh, Talib Kweli, and a lot of different artists, you know, and, and they were saying something. So that's what I wanted to do. So that's what I make sure I do because I control my destiny. I remember when I had Cyrock on my show and we talked about her interests and what her influences were growing up. And she mentioned to me that she liked grunge music. And that was interesting because Nirvana was huge at the time. And it was, it's kind of when you really, it's all anti-establishment when you really listen to Nirvana and the grunge era back then. I recently watched the Woodstock 99 documentary on Netflix. I don't, have you had the chance to watch that? No, I didn't get to see it. Yeah, I know. Cause I know DMX performed there, Ice Cube and all the, heavy metal rock bands during that time was it Limp Biscuit? They were huge. Then they went on there and something that they focus on was just how the, the people who went there destroyed the whole concert. But what they, they failed to really showcase in my opinion was the fact that hip hop and rock came together at that point. I mean, even so bigger than a point than what Aerosmith and run DMC did back in the day from walk this way, but Limp Biscuit and all these bands corn, they were really collaborating with hip hop acts and they failed to, show a light on that as well as the fact that they went through the same struggle hip-hop and rock have gone through the same struggle which is why hip-hop artists are in the rock and roll hall of fame and there's some old school rock artists who may not approve of it too bad but <laughs> they don't get that same airplay because i'll give you the example of fred durst saying how many of you like in sync and that's when that's who the record labels really push at that time are bands like in sync so I, what are your thoughts on just that whole Woodstock 99 thing of what I just told you and just how the, that you had two genres really come together there and they were go going through the same thing against the mainstream labels? Yeah, man, I had a lot of friends that work with uh, them and a lot of the cats. So the executionists, I was on a label, um, 99, 2000, I was on Loud Records, was, uh, which is where Wu-Tang and Big uh, Pun, Big Pun and Mob Deep and I had a group over there named Jadis, and a friend of mine, actually, the A&R who brought me in was one of the executioners. His name is Sean C. He's a producer. He did he did 100% for Big Pun and a lot of other records, and he's the one that worked with Limp Bizkit, and you know, you saw they got all the cuts, and all. they, they did a lot of hip-hop stuff, which they is did. really dope. So it, that, it was a big part of that, and I was at the label when that stuff was being produced, and I even went to a couple of sessions. I didn't get to check out the Woodstock joint, but I did hear the records and saw them being created, and it was a movement that was coming together, but you're right. No one ever talks about how they did not show that how we came together, you know what I mean, to make dope music, and they didn't push it, you know what I mean? But um, it, it, it did happen, but 
that's all by design too, though. You know what I mean? Nothing just happens. You know what I mean? The I was told by one of these old cats that helped raise me was the man or woman that has the most power is the one that owns the music, the writing of the music. You know what I mean? And we was creating something that was coming together, but they just quieted it and they put it. They 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 snuffed it down, so you 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 couldn't hear it. You didn't know it existed. It's funny you say that. A lot of people don't even know that even existed, and it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it did. It's unfortunate that it wasn't highlighted. It was the whole how the the people went burn the place down and just tore the place apart. But there was something bigger there. And I I would love to see a resurgence of that eventually, because I know you have country artists, you know, with Lil Nas X right there with Billy Ray Cyrus, them making tracks together. But I think there's just something about that rock and hip hop coming together during that time was just epic. Yeah, it was, man. Unbelievable. I know Primo worked with Limp Bizkit too. He did some cuts for them. So that's probably one of the people that you know that has worked with them. Yeah, man. He was, Primo is a legend. Uh, right now, a living legend. You know what I mean? There's really, he got his own thing, his own lane. When you know, when you hear a Primo beat, you know it's a Primo beat. It's like, oh, what is this? It's always different. You know what I mean? So yeah, that, that, that dude did his thing and he still does. You know what I mean? He still does, man. Rocksteady crew, I want to get into this for the people who may not know about you linking up with them and coming out to New York. Yeah, man, when I was younger, man, uh, when I was little, my goal in life <laughs> was to be in the Rocksteady crew. I'm, I'm being a Rocksteady crew, and I'm from the South, so a lot of times, you know, we felt like you're never going to make it out of here. You know what I mean? It's that I was in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, uh, We're in Atlanta, you're not going to make it out of here. We was b-boying and doing all types of stuff, but, you know, we figured we'd never make it. But... One day, late 80s, my brother, my older brother, told me, he came home from work and said, yo, I met Mr. Wiggles from Rocksteady Crew. I was like, no, you didn't. He said, yeah, I did. And I told him that you, you would battle him and wreck him. I was like, why would you tell him that? And he, and, he, and he said, this is the number and this is the hotel he had. I was like, well, I'm going to go see him, though, because it's Mr. Wiggles. And this is my chance, right? And so I went to the hotel. He was in downtown Atlanta. And... uh Went to the hotel and knocked on the door. He answered the door. It was him and Mr. and and, and Quick Quick Step, Mr. Wiggles and Quick Step. And uh, he's like, "Yeah, we met your brother, man. He told me what you do." And he pushed the beds apart, you know what I mean, in the hotel room, turned on the boom box, and we just was rocking, you know what I mean. And after that, they was like, "Yo, you dope. When you come to New York, hit me up, call me, and I'm introduce you to Crazy Legs, and then we can see what we can do to get you in the crew." So I ended up going to New York. I immediately went, probably about a month or two later. And uh, I met Crazy Legs. I had to battle Crazy Legs getting the crew. Of course, he wrecked me, but he was really impressed. And he was like, yo, why don't you come on and rock with us? So I started practicing and working out with Rocksteady. Ended up in the crew and they ended up traveling around the world, teaching, breaking. You know what I mean? We were teaching breaking in different countries and different parts of this country. And it was just dope, man. It was a dream come true. It literally came true. And I got to start my own chapter of Rocksteady right here in Atlanta, too, after I left New York. Do you feel as though that social media has played a, a big detriment into where hip-hop, just where we don't have the elements of that? Do you think these kids could ever get back into the b-boying and breaking? Yeah, I think they could because in other parts, see, the thing is we see what mostly happens in America because it's, it's what's popular. It's what's popping. But if you go to other parts of the world, they are breaking. They're still breaking. It looks like it looks like New York City, 1988, <laughs> 1985 in, 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 in Berlin. 
I go to Berlin like every year and I tour there, right? And they still they got classes where they teach kids out there, just like we did when we were younger. And in 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 Asia they still doing it. They doing it all over the world. It's just not focused on in America. Though we do have B boys and B girls here, it's not focused on like that because that's not what what's making people money right now. But the culture is alive and well. It definitely is. And it's unfortunate that we don't have those classes anymore. But I mean, you, you have some legendary stories with Dallas Austin and working with him for the acts that you produce for TLC, Boys to Men, Madonna. I, I want to get into a Madonna story that you have here because back in the day, she was with Big Daddy Kane. She was with Tupac. You've heard stories about that. So tell me, when, what Madonna era did you mainly like work with Dallas Austin on? Four, uh, around 94, 95, it was that song. Um, he had, what was the song? It was Secret. My baby's got a secret. Ooh, remember that song? One thing that was dope I remember about Madonna was she was, you know, you think she's a superstar, right? Mm-hmm. She was super down to earth and regular, man. And in fact, she recorded, I remember her recording. She didn't even record in the studio. She went to the engineer's house. And in the house, they built a, uh, it took like, some sticks like some two by fours and built up like a tent and dropped a sheet over it and she went under the sheet and recorded like on some old school like we do in the house and when we don't have a booth they did that to record her you know what i mean that's funny i saw the same thing by the way this is i'm jumping years but she did that which was dope to me and it, it made me respect her a lot but i'm gonna jump about 10 15 years ahead i happen to be me and little john uh, from Lil John, the the producer, we grew up together, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I would visit him when he lived in Miami. And the same thing, I remember coming in the house with him one day. I went over to his crib in Miami, and he had twin beds set up, one against the wall and one cat a corner to it. And I remember uh, Kanye was recording that twenty minute workout, and they would do it right in those. <laughs> <laughs> in, in between them beds, you know what I mean? Because, you know, good thing about hip-hop is we make it work. But I'm saying, you know, in hip-hop, we do what we can to to get the end state. That's that's what I love about uh, uh, be, being a musician. You know, th- these cats are geniuses, man, and they put together stuff that's legendary, and then you wouldn't even know what really happened behind the scenes. But, yeah, that's just, I just thought about that. But Madonna's around 94, and um, she was just really down to earth, man, and, you know, they got a lot of respect for hip-hop, you know what I mean? absolutely tlc creep that's a beat that you were on yeah me and dallas did that and um one of my main contributions is the sample that you hear from uh see a lot of people sampled it it's the guess who's back right you'll hear that i put the cuts and sample in there and it was public enemy did it slick rick had it but it was originally from a reggae artist named shinehead Mm. you know guess who's back and uh, you you hear Chuck D say it, but everybody took it from this one guy, Shinehead. And I remember we did. And funny part is, LaFace Records got sued for that. <laughs> wow. For the sample I put in, I didn't have to pay for it because the label takes care of that. But but yeah, but yeah, that was a really dope. And I came up uh, with TLC with the exception of Lisa. Left Eye was from Philadelphia, but the other two were from Atlanta. And you know we were around the same age. So we, for years, we always would run in the same circles and then we ended up working on TLC together. And um, them sisters are dope, chilling in um, T-Boz and, and Left Eye. I was probably, it's funny, I was closer to Left Eye than, than most of them. But um, yeah, it was dope, man. A dope era, man. It was a creative era, you know? 
Yeah, unfortunately, not so creative anymore. The individuality, as far as the, when we talk about the mainstream, we're not talking about what you do. And when I talk about the mainstream, the creativity isn't there. There's no individuality anymore. It's all who does this pop and artist sound like? Let me get on it and I'll go and make a career out of it. Yeah, R&B was more interested than hip hop is now. R&B in the 90s was better than hip hop now. Creatively, I'm saying you're right. Everybody had their own thing and it was dope, man. You know what I'm saying? And we were able to do things. What my, the elements in, that I put into R and B back in the day, boys and men, all of them was it was all hip hop. I put cuts in R and B records, which was unheard of. Um, I worked on a song for these producers, uh, Tim and Bob. Tim and Bob mm. are the ones that did the thong song. Okay, for Cisco. Yep, but they did. We worked on the boys and men, and it was called Vibin. V i b e n. V i b i n. And Vibin had a remix. And the remix had Buster Rhymes, I think Eric Sermon, and maybe Redman. And you, you know, you can look it up. But it was, and if you listen to the record, we just got cuts and drums. It ain't even hardly no music in it. It's just cuts, drums, and a few little samples. And they're singing, but it's all these MCs going back and forth on a on a R and B uh, Boys the Men joint, which is crazy. <laughs> Unbelievable. And that's what you got back then. Now. We don't we don't even get those tracks anymore where you have the flavor in your ear remixes and even the blackouts by DMXs. You don't get no remixes. Think about it. No, we don't get remixes either. That that's the reason I released on Rhyme Series that remix tape of twenty seven joints that I that I like, you know, a couple of classics and some new stuff and I remixed everything. Because we gotta get back to creating. You know what I mean? And the remixes in the 90s were sometimes better than the originals. When we looked at Come and Talk to Me by Jodeci, people think that that remix is better than the original version. They don't even know the original exists or the scenario remix. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's dope. And but see, that was the, that, like, like you said, we, we were being creative. We were challenging ourselves. You know what I mean? But I, I have a feeling it's all going to come in a circle. Like, hey, Chuck D said, life runs in cycles. I ain't no psycho. And it does. And it's going to come back slowly but surely. It will. It's gonna. It's gonna get played out. The the sound that's out there right now. The, all this. It, it's gonna be. But for right now, because you're you're always tapped into the game. Who's the most important up and coming? Is if there's an artist that you're tapped in with? When we talk about hip hop, because when we look at Atlanta, it's been so overtaken. People have labeled it. This is where the mumble rappers come out. But as far as Atlanta right now, who is an artist that you're looking at? That's gonna be the next conscious rapper to come out of there. Other than Cyrock, mm-hmm. I like um I like JID. JID. Oh man, he is. I don't even know that dude, but I'm gonna work with him one day. I'm sure he's around here somewhere. I probably know his mom because he's a, he's like I say he's, these guys are like my children's age, and I I love what that dude does. You know what I'm saying? And I think he he's next. I mean, he's doing this thing. He's winning. But I think him and Cyrock will be able to really make some noise. You know what I'm saying? Coming up. You know what I mean? And he's already making a lot of noise though. No, it's insane when you look back on the history of Atlanta's hip-hop because you look at the hip-hop that comes out today with Migos and all these guys, and you look back, well, Atlanta's hip-hop, ATLians, that's completely different from what you hear. Man, that is some of the best music ever created. And, and you know, I grew up with a lot of those, uh, the cast that produced them, uh, the organized noise, they were, we, we all around the same age, and them dudes are amazing and the stuff they did with outcast and goody mob is just really dope i got to build with goody mob and outcast when they were younger the dungeon family yeah they were recording in fact um the i'm literally where i reside is right in the name in the dungeon the, the, the dungeon it's right down the street from me wow. you know what I mean? <laughs> Legendary. 
and, and it's dope because big boy uh owns that house now he made sure that he kept that property and it's um it's an airbnb now no <laughs> it's a dungeon family airbnb you can go you can stay there and it's still got the studio in there and all of the the graffiti that they did in the basement it's got it's got everything it's really dope so i love that he he kept that legacy because they're some of the dopest mcs and producers that we have in hip-hop you yeah. know what i mean when you started to see hip-hop going downhill what was that light at the end of the tunnel for you to say that no this culture is alive and well and we're gonna have that comeback which is what you referenced before and, and chuck d saying life is all about cycles yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's just all about what you tapped into. When you looked at TV and you listened to the radio, you you felt like, dang, we're losing it. But then when you go back and you go back to the shows and you go in, people doing their underground tapes, it was always there. So I never really felt like, oh, we're going to lose it. You know what I mean? We might not. The people that are doing what we call real hip hop, we might not make the money that the, the, the people who are uh, compromising the creativity for, but it will you know, rise again, but it, it was always, I never felt that we were going to lose it. I just felt that a lot of people were led astray. You know what I mean? And even they coming back to the center now because they know that there's no longevity in that. How long are you going to rap, you know, dumb down? You can't do it for long. No, you can't. And when we look at the production side of things, just to get your take on this as well, because you still do a lot of sampling and majority of what the producers use today are 808s. And it's the same thing over and over as far as when you're making trap music sampling. Do you think that it's that the fact that these producers may not be as skilled to sample or they're afraid to sample because they are going to get charged for it? What do you think it is when we talk about the art of sampling? Yeah, they, they, they're not afraid because they get charged. A lot of people don't even know nothing about it. The reality is when you put out a record, if you're independent and you sample, ain't nobody going to hardly stop you because you don't make enough money, you sell enough records for it to even register. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, it won't even pop up. Ain't nobody going to stop you from putting something out on the internet. As far as the artists that are on the labels, they're gonna, the labels are going to pay for it. If it's a sample, they still interpolate and, 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 and make uh, uh, re redo things. They might not directly sample. They'll just interpolate, meaning play it the way that the original went. And the labels pay for that anyway. They're not doing it because they're not afraid. They just don't know how to do it. That's an art in itself. What what Pete Rock did, what Large Professor did, what Lord Finesse did, what I did back in the ninety early nineties. What Primo does, it's not. It's a skill. It's an art. You know what I mean. And it's not, it's not something that you can just sit down and do. And it's not just, I'm just going to sample. It's a, it's, a, it's a way to do it, you know what I mean? And I just think we just don't have the knowledge, you know, the knowledge base to do it yet. Somebody got to show them kids how to do it. You know what I'm saying? And I do believe that when they do start doing it, which you listen to, J.I.D. actually will take what we call some trap music. He'll take a sample and he marries them together. And it sounds amazing, you know what I mean? And I think that sooner or later it's going to start coming back to the middle again. You know what I mean? I remember having a conversation with Arsonist of the Heatmakers and him producing for the Dipset and all the, the members of Diplomats, of course. We had a similar conversation because I, I talked to him about a Davies remix that he did and he sampled one of Dipset songs that he produced. And he didn't like how the fact that the artist would just take the song, they wouldn't chop it up. They would just put the song on there and throw the 808s on there because that's the difference. There's no chopping and yeah, no changing job, things man. there's no change there's no backwards there's no forwards there's no moving it around they just what <laughs> sample they just sample you know what yeah. I mean? like i said it is an art to it to chop it up and move it add some live bass to it add some guitar to it put some things with it and make them drums move and not just the 808 drum you know what i mean it's a it's a you know it's a 
so many old records that will give you all of the, the drums. It's just that people don't know how to take those pieces and play it back like an actual drummer would play and do something different. You know what I mean? Hip hop has a rich history and you're a part of it in a big way. What do you feel as though was the biggest story, most important story that has been untold that you were a part of as far as hip hop goes? It would probably be, well, it's a couple of them. <laughs> it would be let's, let's, in dealing with, with, with the music, because I was going to go into some the resurgence of b-boying, which I was a part of in the late 80s, early 90s. But as far as hip hop and R&B, I was like, we, gi we give the, the credit to one of our first, which was Teddy Riley. Like he was mm -hmm. one of the first hip hop R&B cats. But Guy. Then, yeah, exactly. But the stuff that we did early 90s, me and Dallas and a couple other cats, it didn't exist. Cuts on records, you know what I mean? Uh, scratches, hard drums and samples. That is, that, it was a big, big thing when those worlds came together. And I was blessed to be able to be right there creating during that time. And that was around 91 to about 96. Is when, if you look back at R&B and hip-hop in those worlds. I'll give you an example. When we recorded in TLC, Fife from Tribe Called Quest is on the album. Puffy was directing videos for Outkast and doing production with TLC. Um, <laughs> it was so much going on, and those worlds were all, you would see pretty much anybody, you know, with hip-hop. I remember seeing Diamond D come through the studio a lot back then. It was Diamond Shout out to Diamond D. Digging yeah, in the crates. It was, it was, it was so many, and we were all working and creating. You know what I mean? So, I just think that 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 time period of, which is now what you know now it's a common thing, hip hop and R B is together. But it was created then with some of the cats that I was working with, and and I feel like, you know, that's legendary to be a part of that. No, it definitely is. And do you have you thought about releasing a book on your life story and just everything that you've experienced? Well, I'm working on a, a doc, man, working on putting that together. And we probably will come along with a book. I just haven't, I got to sit down and do it. And we are <laughs> recording uh, a, a, a short documentary and then probably later come in with the, because uh, you got to, you know, you have to write down your, your story. I think everybody, I don't care if you did what you think is legendary or not, everybody should write down their story. You know what I mean? And now we got the ethers, the internet, and I think everybody should be able to, you write it physically. You get the books printed, but you also put it there because that's forever. You know what I mean? No, you're absolutely right. God Complex is out this Friday. So Messiah, is there anything else you want to let the audience know that we didn't cover here tonight? We went in deep. Indeed, man. Well, I mean, you know, make sure y'all on the 30th, Friday, this Friday coming up and beyond, pick up that God Complex. It features a lot of dope MCs, man. It's some legendary stuff going on on that album production-wise and lyrically and the concepts. You know what I mean? And just, you know, keep an eye out for that real hip-hop. And I always say, people always say, it's not no good hip-hop. You got to go dig. You got to go looking for it because they're not going to give it to you. So you got to look up stuff. That's why I love the science of hashtags. You look up the <laughs> hashtag, real hip-hop, real lyrics, beats, production, and you'll end up running into some substance in, in music. You know what I mean? And that's, nice. you know, that's all I got to say. The, the young kids have to learn how to dig in the crates. They haven't learned that yet. We're digging the digital crates these days. The digital crates. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So Messiah, let them know where they can follow you on Instagram, Twitter, all your digital platforms there. All digital platforms. I'm at Soul Messiah. That's S-O-L-M-E-S-S-I-A-H. Not S-O-U-L. S-O-L Messiah. And that's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, 
and soulmessiah.net. You can find me online and, you know, all streaming platforms, Soul Messiah. And you're usually going to run into me and Osirak because we got a lot of stuff together. No, you do. A, a dynamic duo, just like you said before, similar to Gangstar, Cool G Rap, and Polo. <laughs> it's the supreme team. That's what we own. Yeah, you already know. So, Messiah, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Anytime you want to stop by, you're always welcome. Indeed, man. Thank you for having me, brother. Of course, man. Enjoy the rest of your night. Take care. Stay safe. I'm looking forward to God Complex. Peace, man. Thank you. Peace out. <laughs>